Dear little sisters, thank you for tuning into this episode. We're really excited to share the stories of our guests with you. We hope that after each episode, you come out a little bit more inspired and can dream just a little bit bigger. So listen, reflect, and refocus. We truly hope you enjoy this insightful conversation. Thanks for listening. Dear little sisters, we're very, very excited to introduce you to Ms. Jan Lochran, who we will be chatting with today. Ms. Lochran is a Petty graduate, class of 1977, who is currently the sophomore class dean and English teacher at the Petty School. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast today, Ms. Lochran. We're so excited to have you. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to join you. So can you please tell us a little bit about your journey to get to where you are today? All right, so I think um, my journey is really a long one um, that has to do, that has related to Petty. Um, I first started at the Petty School in 1973, two years after Petty went coeducational. And uh, an unknown story is that I actually really wanted to go in the eighth grade because they had an eighth grade um, at that time but there are only going to be two girls in the eighth grade so my father said no <laughs> so i didn't go into the ninth grade but when i got to petty i would say that there were probably 25 percent of the population were girls and so every class was maybe um eight boys four girls something like that or nine boys and three girls depending on the class so Pretty quickly, you got used to being in a in a class where there was mostly boys. Um, but I do have to say that as a swimmer, which was part of the reason I went to Petty, I was used to co-educational co teams, um, you know, and so I felt more comfortable maybe than some girls who really hadn't had that experience. Um, but I think the thing that was interesting about going to Petty at that time was the school was really looking for things for the girls to do. They wanted to know what, what we were interested in. Um, interestingly, the program they planned for the girls was actually cheerleading, which is kind of a funny thing in New Jersey because not too many places actually have cheerleading. I don't know. At the time, there were very few schools that actually were doing cheerleading, but it was, it was co-ed. Um, but I think it was the idea of it was you didn't need very many girls to have be part of a cheerleading squad that already had some boys. Um, so they wanted us to be kind of present, uh, visible. Uh, so I think that was part of the reason why they picked cheerleading. But by the time I I got there, then they had the cheerleading. Um, they they had a girls swim team. They had a girls field hockey team. Um, they had girls on the track team. Uh, they had, I think they just started that year, a girls basketball team. Um, and then they had girls lacrosse. Uh, again, girls were on the track team and they had girls tennis. So interestingly, the tennis teams, both the boys and the girls tennis teams were in the spring. So part of that was just, you know, fielding teams. And we were not good at the beginning. None of, we were not good because we had whoever we had who was willing to learn the sport or play. But I think on some level that made it easy to join. No one felt like they couldn't join because there really was no level of expectation of expertise. You could just join. Um, and I think that was pretty much true about the clubs too, in terms of uh, like the Petty News, 
or the yearbook. Um, all of those clubs are really just looking for people to join. So I think it was, it was actually an easy place to just decide what interests you had and join in. The school was doing whatever it could to make the girls feel welcome. Um, one thing that they did when I first came in the fall of 73 was the first year they had some boarding girls. Um, and I think there are, I'm going to say, I don't even know, 20, <laughs> not very many boarding girls. Um, but what they had for the day students who were girls was a lounge for just us. So you walked in a door and it was just the girls. There was a lounge for the girls. There was a locker room for the girls. There was a bathroom for just the girls. So you really did have a space where you could just be away from this very male dominated school. Um, so I think that that was one of their um, plans in terms of giving the girls a little bit of space that was just just their own, um, which I think actually was very helpful. And it did it did bond the girls in ways that um, I think they had hoped. I mean, I had as many friends who were upperclassmen as I did who were underclassmen with me because we were all in the same lounge space. We were all girls. Uh, no one had started much ahead of us. Um, so the class that came in in 71, the first graduating class of four-year students, uh, four-year seniors was the class of 75 then, who were just two years ahead of me. Um, so in some ways that was sort of the, the beginning stages of, of life at Petty as, a, as one of the, one of the <laughs> few girls. And each year I would say we kind of added more girls to each class. Um, but it was very clear um, that the girls were new. I mean, the bathrooms had urinals. <laughs> they just, they didn't really change anything. They just flipped the name on the door, right? So from that standpoint, you know, you're kind of like, okay, well, whatever. Um, but they were doing their best to kind of make us feel, feel welcome. And clearly it was a choice the board had made to go co-educational and they wanted it to work. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, it sounds like Petty doing co-ed really was like a formative part of like the school's history and also just your personal experiences um, attending that school. I can actually kind of relate to some of that in a way because um, at the high school that I attend now, I think there's a similar ratio between the girls and the boys. I think the girls are like 25% of like the school population. And it's kind of just always been this like unspoken thing because fewer girls want to go into STEM. And my school is also just constantly pushing things to get more girls involved in the STEM field and hosting like coding events and things like that. And it really sounds like um, you were very involved with your school, even though there were fewer girls. So I think that's like really amazing. and. Could you um, please tell me of any gender barriers you might have faced by being one of the first members of the Petty School that were female? I think there were a couple places um, in terms of um, just sport facilities. I think in terms of classroom facilities in the classroom was pretty, I, I always felt comfortable in a classroom, right? You walk in a classroom, there's desks for everybody. There wasn't really a sense of there being any kind of division. Um, the one story that really comes to mind is um, the school used to have tennis court lines where the basketball court is. It was kind of a multi-purpose space. And so in the spring, if there if it rained, 
obviously it wasn't basketball season, so the tennis players would have, I think there were just three courts, whatever. And I just remember very distinctly a friend of mine who was a little bit more forward about this kind of thing than I was at the time, she was a little bit older, um, positioned herself on the, bas on the tennis court and we were beginning to practice before our coach or the boys coach came and the boys were like, well, what are you doing here? We're supposed to be playing. And I'm like, yeah, well, we have a match tomorrow. And they're like, well, we have the courts today. <laughs> um, and then of course, you know, the tennis coach who was, you know, the boys tennis coach who was a petty teacher, unlike our coach who was an outside coach, who was a terrific tennis player, um, but probably didn't have the same clout maybe. <laughs> uh, we didn't win that battle. You know, the, the boys tennis coach came in and said, oh, we have these courts. These boys need to practice. You're going to have to, I don't know. I don't even know what he said, but we kind of decided that we weren't going to fight that fight that day. But I think that's one of the, one of the things that stood out. I don't think that would happen today. I think that those things are scheduled so that you know, maybe one team would play early and one team would play late, but both teams would get to play. But I think it was something they hadn't anticipated, right? So in the moment, they had given the courts to the boys without looking at the schedule to see that we had a match the next day and they did not. Now, the flip side of that is that we were not probably that competitive in terms of, you know, playing against other schools, whether we're going to be. So I don't know if that came into play or at that point or not, but I still felt like it was wrong. Like we had the match, we should have had the opportunity to have access to the courts that day. Um, so I think living a few of those experiences make you realize that you're gonna have to know the facts and you're gonna have to be able to articulate that we have a match tomorrow, right? And I'm not sure, I think we said it, but the courts were already assigned and whatever. The schedule was already made. Um, so part of it, I think one of the things was my takeaway from that is you may have to be a little bit more aware of what's happening around you that's not fair, gather your facts and then go in, right? So that you're a little bit more proactive rather than reactive. This was kind of reactive. Thank you so much for sharing. And that definitely makes sense what you were saying. So going in per with preparation and um, understanding of what's going on around you can help you advocate for yourself and your needs. And I think that that's a great takeaway for everyone that if you go unprepared, nothing can stop you because you'll have the facts and you'll have um, the preparation to support what you need done. Yeah, I think I think it's the 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 piece that's most important um, is when there is some imbalance or an injustice, or really just a missed opportunity on whoever's scheduling or a mistake. Um, you just need to be aware. What, what, what do the other teams have? What access do they have to facilities? And then you just go in and say, here's our schedule. Can we have the courts, if it rains, can we have the courts the day before a match? We both have a match. Can we split the time? Can we, can we, have two courts for one hour and one court for what, whatever it is. Um, but I think if you just go, you know, it's not fair. <laughs> that doesn't, doesn't even get you anywhere because you don't have the facts. I think, you know, having the facts is really, you know, the key to advocating in an appropriate manner to be perfectly frank about that. No, I think that's really a great example of um, 
advocating for something that you believe in. Um, I know you talked about how it was kind of your friend who took the initiative with that. Um, kind of following up to that, do you have any advice on how girls can advocate for themselves to make sure they get what they need? Well, I think it does tie into um, being aware of what you don't have and what you do need, being aware of what other opportunities other kids are being given that you may not be have access to. And really, I, I, I really, again, it's sort of a preparation piece is, you know, making sure that you have the facts, you know what other people have, what other teams have, what other clubs have, uh, what other genders have, whatever age groups have, line it up, have the facts, and then advocate for yourself. And I think the way to practice is you start with things that are smaller, lower stake. Um, you know, maybe it's really just your club has a little less funding than another club. Going in and saying, uh, we'd like to run a bake sale to raise more money, or we would like to have um, pizza one one night of our of our club meetings or and just start with something small um, and start with someone who's likely right likely to support you and then you move to bigger things and things that might be a little bit more difficult to advocate for so you, you have to practice advocating for yourself but I think it's it's smart to start with things that are a little lower stake that you probably will get a yes to right? Um, and then, uh, then you're more likely to ask for the things that you need when things are a little bit more important, a little bit more contentious, if you've had practice and some success at getting what you want when it's lower stakes. Right. Definitely. I think, I think that makes perfect sense because then you can gain confidence and um, you'll know how to do it. I think the first time you do something is always the hardest. Um, and then you get over that initial fear or um, that initial barrier. And then after that, every time just becomes a little bit easier. Well, and you might be told no. I mean, I think on some level you might be told no. So you might go to somebody and they say no. Well, you think about who else can I go to? Is there someone who's the same level, someone in a different department, someone who's who has been an advocate for others in the past? Um, some of it's knowing who to go to doing a little bit of homework on knowing who might be an advocate for you and um, you know kind of talking to other people like how did you get their funding um, you know who, who's your who's your who's been an advocate for you for some of these things that are important to you um, so I think you you really have to be strategic right it doesn't just happen because you're 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 fighting against something that's just kind of inertia Right. So you really just have to say, OK, enough is enough. This club, this group has gotten everything. All right. Let's let's get a little of this pie first and then we'll work on getting the rest of the pie right later. All right. So that's so that's really how you do it is you you practice and you think about who's going to be able to advocate for you. And you may have to change your tactics. You may have to change how you frame the question. Uh, all of those things come with a little bit of practice. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially our age, have difficulty taking initiative and really going out of their way to um, kind of initiate some, especially if it's 
something that you think is wrong or that needs to be changed. So I think it's great advice to just start with something smaller that's like lower stakes and work up from there. So that way you can kind of build the confidence you need to like really um, defend yourself and to do what you believe in. I think you start with something that you're comfortable with asking because it seems kind of obvious that you should have it. And then you kind of kind of build build from there. Because I think if you take on the most contentious topic first, that's gonna be overwhelming. You're not gonna do it. Persuasion, right? You know, you I'm an English teacher, right? So, you know, you think about um, what topics or what, you know, first of all, who's your audience, right? Who's your audience? And then how do I approach this in a way that they're gonna be receptive? Right? So maybe you appeal to their sense of fairness maybe you say oh this is great for the community look how how uh, happy the community will be to see that there's equality here or that there's sort of another club that's really you know doing a you know doing really well and being well supported just depends on how you think uh, you can sell it best this is this is salesmanship too right? I think <laughs> in English class sometimes we learn about like the ethos pathos and logos of an argument. Um, I was just thinking about that when you're saying that. So I think you have to kind of angle your and frame your argument in a way that plays on to whoever, whoever you're trying to target to, whatever, however you think they can, you can best sell it to that specific person. Absolutely. There's, there really is skill to this and you, you want to go in prepared, right? You want to go in prepared and then you get a little success, move to the next thing that's important to you. Right. Well, kind of echoing what Bernice was saying earlier um, about sometimes teenagers and kids our age not taking initiative. I think some part of that may come with a fear, a fear of maybe someone saying no or a fear of just speaking up in general. So how can girls achieve that confidence to speak up for themselves? in any scenario. Mm, that's a tricky one because you may need a few of you, right? In other words, you don't really have to go this alone. Um, the reason we were even standing on the court was because there are probably four or five of us. I'm not sure any of us would have stood on that court with a bunch of boys standing on the court too. So part of it is um, having a few peers who feel strongly about it as well. And then having sort of Maybe you go and you speak to an adult together, right? So no one really has to do it alone. And I think, in spe especially as a teenager, but it's really true in the rest of your life too. If you have another person who agrees with you, that gives you confidence. You have a few more people who agree with you, that gives you confidence. There's still maybe someone who's the spokesperson, right? But uh, having each other, is going to give you a little bit of confidence too right and there's and you everybody knows someone who's a little bit more willing to be the spokesperson but they probably need the people around them too but they you know some people are just more comfortable doing the talking but if you've mapped it all out you've written it all down you've got your note cards you you you, you it's really like a presentation almost right you're prepared for it you have your note cards you don't forget the points you wanted to make just because they're asking hard questions um, and that's how you build confidence in life, right? 
So you start with some things that you're presenting at your school or at a club or, or, or community center or something like that. Uh, that that skill travels with you when you have a job and you want a promotion and you want more more responsibility. You know how to articulate those desires and needs uh, by supporting kind of what what you've actually done to deserve them. Um, but it starts early. <laughs> you know, I can't start at 40 asking for what you need. Um, you start start as a teenager in groups with the people that you think will be supportive first. And then you go to the people who may not be supportive. Definitely. I love what you were saying about going up together because I think a lot of people have had the experience of even asking a question, a hard question to a teacher. They ask their friends, oh, can you can you come up with me um, j just to ask so I'll feel more comfortable. I think almost everyone's had that experience. Yes, and I think we you can it's it's something that we continue to do it's not just something that adolescents do it's really something young adults do uh, at some point you're in a room with one other person but but you practice by the time you get there uh, generally speaking you've practiced a little bit like sometimes sometimes even i can just give an example with as the dean sometimes the kids come in and they're afraid because they have the dean in front of them i'm just a person as as a judge once told me, I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. Um, so the idea is it's just a person, but sometimes bringing the advisor is more comfortable, right? Because then you have your person with you. So whenever you would prefer to have a buddy, you bring a buddy. Definitely. And I think it's all baby steps for you to reach the final destination or the, or the big... It's, it's like anything else, practice preparation and practice yeah i definitely agree with lena um i've definitely had experiences like that in the past as well just even going up to a teacher sometimes <laughs> i feel like um when you recognize something like that you always think that you're alone and when you kind of bring your friends together and you talk about an issue and you realize that you're not alone in facing it it's really empowering and it really gives you the strength to want to change the issue. And I think even with the podcast, Lena and I connected because I think neither of us wanted to do this alone. And we <laughs> I think that's <laughs> right. I and think I, I mean really I, I don't think at 15 or 16 I would have done it alone. Not a chance. Um, I think at least from my perspective, I'm a lot more comfortable knowing that Lena's here. And I think even that, like, there's power in just um, working together and being in a group in that type of setting. Yeah, so I think that's really the advice to your, to your peers is if you have an interest in particular topics or there's something that needs to change, you get a group together, you talk about it, you figure out how you're going to present this and who you're going to present it to and how you're going to shape kind of your argument so that it's persuasive, uh, logical, rational, and then you're hopeful that you get some of what you asked for. Maybe you get all of it the first time, maybe you get pieces of it, um, but it's the process, begin the process of getting this group together, talking about things you may learn something or think of something that maybe two of you hadn't thought of, maybe the third point is really the thing that's gonna make it even more acceptable or persuasive for the person that you're speaking to. So it's always a good idea 
to talk to a few other people who seem to have the same ideas or at least concerns and then present. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's probably the most important part of learning how to advocate for yourself is learning how to advocate as a group first, and then you'll be developing the same skills that you'll need to advocate for yourself going forward. I think that's great advice. And our last question kind of ties into that. And it's, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? One piece of advice. Um, I think that it really would be to try to take the emotional piece out of it, like feel whatever you feel. Um, but rather than responding in the moment, it's probably better to take that thing that's bothering you and do a little homework, do a little preparation, and then advocate for yourself. I think in the moment, sometimes either we just don't say anything or we respond angrily in a way that's not going to get us anywhere. So I think part of it, I think my advice to my younger self would be, don't take it so personally, recognize that it's something that can be fixed and should be fixed. It probably wasn't, it probably wasn't personal that the tennis girls tennis team didn't have the courts that day, um, but rather um, kind of understand what happened, find out what you need to know about the situation, and then do your best to develop kind of the facts and what you need and how you can best present it. So I think I just would caution myself to take the emotional piece out of it. It probably wasn't personal. It probably wasn't intended to be personal. It was a mistake. It was an oversight. Um, and if it wasn't, <laughs> it should have been changed. <laughs> but in that moment, we weren't going to yell and scream at the petty teacher about the boys tennis team playing on the courts. Like it, that was not going to get us anywhere. We felt like it was a much better option to walk off those courts and kind of work that out behind the scenes. Definitely. I think in the moment, sometimes we have all these big feelings and we're, we get super sometimes in our heads, but I think just taking a step back and reflecting on what happened and how best to proceed with this situation can be way more effective than screaming at the boys tennis coach right. or not saying anything at all, but. Neither one really works, right? So yeah. saying nothing doesn't get you anywhere and yelling doesn't get you anywhere. So saying nothing or just saying, we'll get back to this <laughs> or we'll think about this, we'll talk about this, something, but really taking the time then to figure out what you need to do to resolve the issue in a way that's not in the moment. So you, it, it's all good to feel it because that's what motivates us, right? Those feelings are what motivate us to act. Um, but I think for me, the best would be feel it, understand it, <laughs> figure it out and advocate later. Um, I think what you said about just not taking it personally really stuck with me because I think that's something that I needed to like figure out earlier this past year. Um, I think in the moment when you feel like there's like an injustice or that you were treated unfairly, it always feels a lot more personal than it actually is. And I feel like when you think it's personal, you end up, it, it's just like Lena said, all of these big emotions and it's important to kind of regulate 
do it that and you instead need to start looking at it rationally because when you approach a situation rationally there's still a higher chance of success so i think that's great advice and that'll definitely stick with me okay well i think that's the piece is it's not sometimes it is personal i'm not going to say it never is but usually or very often it's not so it's not directed to you it wasn't me person on the tennis court it was the team it was the plan there was a schedule uh i think we felt like it was personal like you don't think we're as good as you are blah, blah, blah. but that really wasn't it. they just got scheduled we did um so anyway so i think it's just useful to know that it's not always personal and that it's even if it is you're still better off coming up with a plan once you calm down a little bit figure out a plan so it doesn't happen to you again that's really the issues because you you're really trying to keep it from happening to you or to anyone else again Thank you so much for sharing and for coming on to our podcast today. We love chatting with you. This was super fun for us. Well, great. Well, thank you very much. And I hope to see you two someplace some other time. I'll be looking forward to seeing Lena at school and Bernice. I hope I get to meet you sometime. It'll be fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. All right. See you all soon. See you in September. Okay. Bye. <laughs>